Welcome to the City Church Evansville podcast. Since the beginning of the new year, we've been in a series entitled Catching Fire with the focus on revival. We concluded this series with the deviation, putting into practice what we've learned. Prayer, repentance, and an overwhelming revelation of God's goodness are precursors to revival. Join us as we deviate from a normal Sunday here at City Church, seeking to collectively partake in all of those precursors. finished a series on revival called Catching Fire. I think one of the things that doesn't happen enough in the life of the church is that the church pray together. The church doesn't pray together enough. We have a vision statement that we say that the vision of City Church, why don't you read it with me, is to bring spiritual, social, and cultural renewal to the city of Evansville and beyond through a movement of people who are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what we're praying for. That's what we want to accomplish. But we recognize that those are just words on a wall. And the series that we've done are just words that I have spoken. None of that's going to happen. Nothing that we want to see happen is going to happen apart from the power of God. And so we need to pray together this morning as a church. And that's what this service is going to be. We saw in the series in Exodus chapter 33 a pattern of revival that included repentance first, and then prayer, and then an overwhelming experience of God's glory as a result of those things. Now, we can't force that. We can't force revival. But what we can do is prepare ourselves for it. And so today, as a church, we're going to walk through the first two steps of revival as a church. We're going to repent as a church, and we're going to pray together as a church. This service will have a number of different elements in it. I think you'll feel that it moves along very quickly. But one element that won't be part of this, that will not be part of this service, will be a sermon. The service is going to be one that you participate in at every step. However, I do want to make this promise to you that we're not going to ask you to do anything uncomfortable. We're not going to ask you to do anything weird at all. Everything that we do this morning, you can do uh, right there privately in your own heart. You feel better about that as a result of me saying that? Ushers, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come on up, and they're going to take the offering. And as they do, Nathaniel and uh, the band here are going going to lead us in a song of worship. And please, if you would, during this song, just, just stay seated. In worship this morning so far, we have asked the Holy Spirit to be present in our midst. We have just worshiped God the Father. And now we're going to do a responsive reading that exalts our Lord Jesus Christ. This particular piece that we're going to read together was written in the 18th century by Charles Wesley, an English leader of the Methodist movement. I think it's important that we use old works like this from time to time so that we're reminded that Christianity is not a new thing. It's not a passing fad. It's not a modern thing, but instead has a long history And we as a church stand upon the shoulders of many, many generations of Christians, many of whom, in fact, 
have given their lives for the sake of the revolution of Jesus Christ. And upon those shoulders, we stand as a church. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand. And I'm going to read the parts of this responsive reading that are marked with a J, because my name is Jeff. And you'll read together the parts that are marked with a C, because you're the congregation. See how that works. They don't give churches to just anyone. You've got to be smart like that to be able to get a church. Let me start. Jesus, the name high over all in hell or earth or sky. Jesus, the name to sinners dear, the name to sinners given. Oh, that the world might taste and see the riches of his grace. His righteousness alone I show. His saving grace proclaim. Happy if with my final breath I may but gasp his name. just a moment, I'm going to read a a brief portion of Psalm 51, Uh, but as a preface, uh, I want to talk about relationship. Um, I think a lot of times we can come to church, we can think along the lines of religion or of God, uh, and never really think about the fact that we have a relationship with and to God. Uh, For the Christian, that relationship is secure in what Christ uh, has accomplished, and by believing, Uh, we have that relationship. And then for those who do not yet believe, uh, our relationship with God is fundamentally severed. It's broken. Uh, So all of us this morning uh, have a relationship with God to think about. And I want you to be thinking about that relationship uh, as I read from Psalm 51 here. David wrote this. um, And again, think along the lines of relationship. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. I'm not done yet, but are you hearing the relationship that David is mindful of here as he writes? Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Just as David confessed his sin in Psalm 51, in the passage that Sean read just a moment ago, and because we know that our God is good and perfect and loving, we can confess our sin 
to the Lord, knowing that He forgives us, going to Him with assurance of that reality. We saw in Exodus chapter 33 that the first stage of revival is repentance, specifically repentance of idolatry in our lives and the specific sins that those idols cause. We talked about the way that you identify an idol, at least one of the ways, is by asking yourself this question, what, if I knew I could never have it, or if I lost it, would make me just want to die, that I wouldn't even want to live anymore? Whatever that is, whatever those things are, those are probably your idols. I'm going to read a prayer in just a moment, in portions, with a short break in between thoughts. And if you feel that anything that I read applies to you, just quietly to yourself, just repeat that. Not out loud, just to yourself. Would you do that with me? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I have sinned. I have turned good things into ultimate things, And I've trusted in idols instead of trusting in you alone. Take a moment now and quietly just name your idols specifically. We know that idols bring cause certain sins that come with them. So I'm going to read a list of behaviors now that are byproducts of of idolatry. And if you hear one that applies to you, just confess that before the Lord. Lord, I confess that my trust in these idols has caused me to be anxious, angry, controlling, unloving, neglectful of the needs of the people I love, arrogant, depressed, overly sensitive to criticism, self-obsessed, critical of others, cynical, mean-spirited, a gossip, addicted, fearful, unforgiving, thankless, discontent, adulterous, lustful, greedy, unmerciful, insensitive. Take a moment and confess any other sins that are not mentioned that are a product of your, a byproduct of your idols. Father, instead of repenting, I have often excused my behavior, rationalized it, blamed others for it, or ignored it. Would you just repeat that to the Lord? 
But today I bring all of these idols and the sins associated with them to the cross of Christ and I lay them down there. I repent of my wrongly placed trust. And Lord, as a church, we repent of our wrongly placed trust. Lord, I want to trust in you and you alone. I want to tear these idols down. And to demonstrate my repentance, I will, and maybe you could just express to the Lord something specific that you could do to aid in tearing down this idol in your life. Something that you might sacrifice, something that you might do, something that you might say, someone that you might go to. Lord, I believe that no amount of penance, no amount of good deeds, no amount of wallowing in my guilt or shame would be an acceptable payment for my sins. Would you just repeat that, express that to the Lord? And so we trust in you, Lord Jesus Christ, and we as a church believe that your death on the cross in our place was sufficient and that the penalty for our sins has been paid in full by you, Lord Jesus Christ. Would you just express that? And now thank you for your forgiveness, Father, that you have promised in your scriptures, that when we come to you and when we repent, when we confess and we repent, that you offer us, that you give us forgiveness based upon what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross. Again, we thank you so much, our Father. Amen. A moment ago, I mentioned our relationship to God. And I wonder if we think about confession and repentance as relational components. Uh, They're intended to bring us back to this place of restored intimacy. Uh, Here's how it works in layman's terms. Uh, When I'm a jerk to my wife, I say, Aaron, I've been a jerk, and I'm sorry. That's confession and repentance, and it restores intimacy. Uh, For the Christian, that can happen because we can confess to a God uh, who wants to hear from us, who's still in place, who hasn't ran out on us. We can repent to a God who wants to draw us to a place and a posture of repentance because He's still there. He's present. Confession and repentance as relational elements. I wonder if you've ever thought about that. Uh, You know, in in, in Exodus, as we've mentioned, Moses and Israel repented um, and confessed and They did so without yet having a a Messiah. They were looking towards a Messiah. And for us, we sort of look back and we see a Messiah who's come, Christ the Messiah. Uh, And so what I want us to do is to be thoughtful about that as we take communion with one another. Um, So ushers, you guys can go ahead and uh, guys and gals can go ahead and get communion. Um, And as they pass that out, Nathaniel and the band are going to play a song. Uh, and what I want to encourage you guys to do is hold on to the elements because uh, we're going to take that with one another. Um, so they'll pass out the elements. Nathaniel and the band will lead us in a song, and then I'll just be back up in a few moments to say a few
wonder if uh, we think about how and why we can sing a song like that. Uh, Knowing how broken and troubled and less than perfect and less than holy we are. Uh, And I would submit that what we're about to partake in, communion is at the cornerstone of why we as broken people can sing out that song. Uh, And you guys may have heard this story, but the night before Jesus was crucified, uh, moments before he was betrayed, he was gathered in a room with his dearest friends, guys who he had spent the last several years with, including the very one who was about to betray him. They were sharing a meal, and he said, I have longed, I've desired to share this meal with you guys. And obviously Jesus knew what uh, was right around the corner for him. And at a moment during the meal, he took bread, he held it up, and he said, I want you guys to remember often that this bread symbolizes my body that was broken for you. So take of it, enjoy it, and remember me. Go ahead. And Jesus uh, taught these things, told these things joyfully, not because he didn't know that he was going to endure the cross, but because he knew what was on the other side of the cross, not only for him, but for everyone who would believe. At a point later in the meal, he held up a glass of wine, and similarly to the bread, he said, this wine is the blood of the new covenant, my blood that's poured out for you. And before you take that, I want you to tell your heart to be joyful. I want you to tell your heart that Christ has accomplished something for you that assures your security with God. And so drink this joyfully. Amen. A few weeks ago, I asked you to pray between now and March 24th. Every day, just pray, God, show me, show us your glory. We're going to pray now for revival among the churches here in the city of Evansville. We'll pray for our church, and we'll pray for other churches as well. And we're going to ask that God would show us His glory. We can't force that. That's up to God. But we're going to pray for it. We're going to ask for it anyway. I'm going to read a statement, and then you just quietly, where you are, pray for that. Lord, we pray for revival here at City Church in our lives individually and collectively. Please pray. Lord, we pray for revival in the churches in Evansville and the surrounding area. Take a moment now and mention by name other churches in the area that you may feel particularly burdened to pray for. Lord, let this, be, let, let this revival be such that it is clear it is something that you have done supernaturally, that no man has done or prompted, so that the people of this city will know that you are our God. And Lord, show us your glory. Your infinite goodness that makes you so devastatingly beautiful. And Lord, we pray for the revival in the church in Evansville, and we pray that it would bring a spiritual awakening in the city of Evansville. 
We ask these things, Lord, knowing that nothing is too difficult for you. We ask these things for your glory. We ask them now in the name of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Collective prayer, confession, and repentance doesn't happen enough in the local church. Joining together in those practices reminds us that we all, alike, are dependent upon and bound together by the love of God made clear in the person and work of Jesus. Well, thank you again for tuning in. As we conclude our Catching Fire series, we continue in the spirit and hope of revival, knowing that the cross changes everything and is the very source of revival in our hearts, our church, and our world. If you're in the area, please join us next Sunday at 9.15 or 11 a.m. We're at 314 Market Street in downtown Evansville.